You are now listening to LFL Talk with Adri and Marcus. Hello, and welcome to LFL Talk episode five. Joining me this week is the one, the only, everyone's favourite co-host, Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. And how have you been since our, our last podcast a couple of weeks ago when we got to interview the amazing Rockstar Fair? Uh, I've been excellent. I've been on holiday and I've been spending lots of money on stuff like Game Pass. So come the NFL this year, I won't have much social life, but it's all good. Well, yeah, that's all good for the Spitball podcast, isn't it, buddy? Pretty much all prepared for that already. And it's only July. And for those not in the know, Spitball is our NFL podcast that myself and Marcus do, which is also a available on iTunes and our website www.ballhawksnest.com so without further ado let's get into the news here is the news let us start with a few injury updates I could give you these updates myself, but I think that's rather boring. I'm sure you'd all agree. I know Marcus would. So, in their very own words, let's first hear what Dakota Hughes had to say about her injury. Injury update. I am healing, and I will be back out for the August 16th game versus Jacksonville for our last home game this season. I'm here to support in Toledo because Jody is going to be the starting quarterback, and I'm here to support us all the way, and I feel very confident she will pull out a win for us tonight. So, Marcus, what do we make to that? She thinks she's going to be back quite soon, only maybe missing a game yeah i think that's gonna be very significant um for the steam and i think really the jacksonville game is gonna is gonna play great dividends as um how everything's gonna finish so it could be pretty important that she comes back yeah absolutely i think she showed in her first game i know we've we've talked about it before and it's clear in the lfl what a difference uh, a good quarterback makes because a good run offense will only get you so far. You will always need a quarterback to open up that defense. Even if it's just attempting the deep passes, you still need a little something just to keep them on their toes. Yeah, and as well, it's it's that sort of leadership and actually steering the ship, as it were. You know, what that brings to the team, having your, your number one gunslinger uh, behind center. As, as far as that goes in, especially coming into the postseason run, momentum-wise, can swing so far, so... Having a swing back in your favour with your, your starting quarterback healthy is just bonus. Of course, indeed. And on the injury update, of course, we unfortunately weren't able to get the news out of Heather. And I can completely understand that she wouldn't want to give us an update on Shari's injury. Um, she'd rather Shari did that herself. So, again, let's hear Shari describing her injury update. It's been a very interesting week. It was The game was like eight days ago. And... I went down in a tackle. I didn't really get back up. I felt like something in my knee um, shifted in the cap rather than, than popped. So I hobbled off and they did a few um, tests uh, backstage. But I felt like it, it wasn't anything too serious. And after a lot of pain over the next couple of days, I seemed to, every day I woke up, it felt a little bit better. And I was feeling so, so positive uh, waiting for the MRI results to come back. And um, I've got to say a big, big thank you to Corey Kelly down at Sky Balance Medical in Schomburg. They've been looking after me, like literally picking me up from my door, dropping me back and, and making sure I get the best medical treatment there is. Um, Dr. Samir down there as well. Anyway, Dr. Samir gave me a call and, and he let me know that the results of the MRI came back and it was a complete ACL tear. So wow. 
it's probably the worst news that we could have expected and it, it just completely floored me because you guys know what I'm like I'm strong physically and in my mind I was just I was rehabbing for that Vegas game I, I was going to be there so um, I'm sorry to disappoint everyone but I will not be playing for the Bliss in Vegas uh, in the next couple of weeks so my plan is to have surgery uh, anyone that knows about ACL surgeries it's it's about a six month um rehab so i will be working my hardest to to be ready for new south wales um and then furthermore i plan on being back in chicago for the next season and that's when we'll be looking at the three beat so what do you reckon to both parts of that then buddy so first news obviously shari and the the injury to the acl which is going to keep her out for the rest of the season but the positive news there that she's going to be coming back to chicago next year the first part was is kind of devastating it was the worst like we said when we saw Clearly, it was the knee that was aggravating her. And so whenever you say knee and sports injury, you immediately go to the, to the ACL, and, and that's always the worry. And so um, so now that she's flying back to Oz and she's going to be going um, back and working um, surgery and then working on that knee ready for the Oz campaign, um, I love the mentality about that. Like She says it's all about who she is. She's strong. Um, not only physically, but mentally. The tenacity that she already wants to come back and play for the Bliss season's time is just brilliant because then that's, you know, she's set her goals and she's, uh, we, uh, I think we all know, we can tell from her mannerisms that she will accomplish that. Absolutely. We know how tough she is. We know how mentally strong she is. And I'm looking forward to seeing her get back as quickly as possible into the Australia season and really looking forward to seeing her again lining up. Maybe she'll even play both sides of the ball next year for Chicago rather than just on defence. Yeah, I think she's very versatile. She can do that sort of Adrian Prinell sort of role where she's both, you know, defensive and both offensive weapon and utilised in both sort of categories. Like I said, in both cases for Dakota and Shari, uh, we're just wishing them, I guess, the speediest recovery that they can get. Absolutely. I 100% second that sentiment, my friend. The last bit of audio for you is an interview with Danica Brace where she actually indicates what she's going to be doing moving forward. This is our last home game and um, I will announce it potentially my last game in Las Vegas ever. So obviously for me, you know, it's, it's it's very emotional and uh, has a lot of meaning to it you know this franchise has been through a lot in the three years that I've been with it um you know four different coaches over three years and um you know so we definitely and we've also lost you know a lot of players which is unfortunate but you know um it's a big deal for us and and it's time to show Las Vegas that you know not only do we have we have a good hockey team and that's great there's support there but um now we have a great um, football team as well which is which is nice because UNLV doesn't exactly give us the best rep but um so we're going to come out and we're definitely you know we're obviously planning to win this game but um we needed to, to stack up the points because it's time for playoffs and that's really what we're thinking about right now and that soundbite was like the others taken from the official YouTube channel of the Legends Football League so www.youtube.com forward slash MyLFL and they were two episodes of the Commissioner's Corner which is now back on our screens where we will put the link to it in our show notes but Marcus so I want to come to you on that that was taken before the Las Vegas Chicago game which we're going to come on to later but a big big announcement that's going to affect Las Vegas in a big way yeah I think uh, when you think of Vegas 
you can't help but think of Danica Brace when you think of that team and that franchise as as much the face as the heart, I guess, especially over, like she says, this turbulent passage of time that she's been there. You know, she's been through a lot as well. I mean, um, she's gone through the, the ACLs as well, the tears and, and the injuries. And you could tell in, when we got into the game later, you know, there was a lot of emotion pre-game and there was a lot of physicality that came out sort of during the game, sort of that last home game dogged, backed into a corner fighting for survival. It came out and she brought the best out of for everyone really in that game. Um, but I think somebody like, somebody like that in a team doesn't just get replaced. So you're really looking forward with such positivities coming out of what I could say offensively with a couple of the rookies. I'd like to think that she, she will instill some kind of a, a legacy in that someone will want to come up Someone will want to in that team or, or or a rookie, next year's rookie will see her, be inspired and want to step up and fill her shoes. And and hopefully that that will create a new legacy. So she's going to she's gonna leave her own legacy behind, but instill and create the next one, which I think is the biggest impact there. And I think you know how I like to make my comparisons more than I like to make my predictions but you would I would, definitely, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely liken it to when Baltimore lost Mr Ray Lewis I think her leaving and especially being in the heart of that defense is going to have just as much of an impact on Las Vegas as Mr Lewis leaving Baltimore did I 100% agree it is pretty much you know I'll leave it there actually I'm not going to try and find words to describe it but that is that is as near to the point what she's going to leave on that team. Indeed. So we'll move on now. We've got a few more bits to cover in the news, and I'll see if you have anything yourself there, Marcus. But um, before I come to you, I'll just cover a few more things. The Legends Cup venue for this season's US Legends Cup has been announced, and it's going to be played in LA, in Ontario. So moving it away from uh, Vegas. So I know uh, someone who lists the show, Lewis, he'll be a bit disappointed with that because he, he was in, he's going to be in Vegas when the Legends Cup's on, but they must have heard because they've decided to move it to LA this year. Also, probably because they've got the Hall of Fame for the first year this year. So that's going to be done. They're going to have the event to that in Hollywood. So that will be quite fitting as well, as we know, obviously, it being a big showcase and a big event for the NFL this year. It's 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 quite nice, I guess, that they picked the uh, the one arena to be the playoff and Legends Cup uh, venue. Um, I guess, again, it's working in that, you know, the franchise is deeply rooted into the league. The league has knows, probably probably knows that it's going to be able to fill that. It's probably a great venue, uh, the Citizens Business Bank Arena. So I think if you're going to get a great atmosphere, that's what's going to make it a, a great and memorable a uh, couple of nights. So with that said, do you think that LA may get there to that Legends Cup or is it going to be Chicago versus whoever comes through from the East still? Yeah. Oh, well, it, hey, if, you, if you've ever wanted a carrot to be put in front of you, you know, guess what, guys? Playoffs and Legends Cup is at home. Do we want to be there? Mm, let's think about that. So yeah, I think you, there's no great impetus to, to sally forth and just, give it hell for leather and try and try and get there i mean you've got to surely indeed and on that note as well we've also had the lfl australia legends cup venue announced for the big legends cup final last year it was in in perth at the western australia angels home ground and this year it's going to be in melbourne at 
AAMI Park, or as it's otherwise known, the Ghost Ship and Maiden's Home Turf. Yeah, I think it's brilliant that they again they've, they've changed it so that way there's a new venue this time. I think uh, we saw last year, um, last season, how, it, again, it seemed to, I mean, the Aussies came out and they gave it an amazing atmosphere, all the games. But I think um, uh, once your stadium gets named, gets its own nickname within the first season, that's, that's, that's pretty pretty well supported right there, is it not? I think so. And have you seen some of the figures from the, the number of fans they had in attendance at the games last year? We're talking like seven to 13,000 fans at some of these LFL games in Australia. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's amazing. And on the LFL Australia note, before I hand over to see if you have anything yourself, Marcus, is that the LFL Australia season will kick off on October the 11th in Adelaide with the new franchise there, the Adelaide Arsenal. And uh, it will kick off with the Adelaide Arsenal. And this year, as a change from the proceedings last year, each team is going to be playing six games. So it looks like they will keep the rivalries from last year. So you will play one team twice and then you'll get to play the other four teams in the league. How does that sound to you, Marcus? I think that's a nice nice way to set it out. Six, I think really it's gonna. It's also going to set the way, I think, for LFL in general, that the fact is it's very difficult to set the, the postseason off um, and we've noticed it this year the scale that allows you to have mistakes and the amount of failure you can have that puts you from postseason to to no season is so slim that six games gives you a little bit more you know you can have that bad game and still recover whereas four games really every game has to be hot indeed and actually sorry I forgot there is one just one more piece I need to throw in there Marcus and I do apologise they announced on Commissioner's Corner last week, again, available through the official LFL YouTube channel, there is a big chance that next year in US, they're going to have some form of interconference games rather than just waiting until the big final itself. It works a lot for like the college and, you know, like the at the moment we've got Canadian football going on and you've got uh, your arena football and it seems to work really well there. So I think bringing that system over... Um, it's just going to add a little bit of flavour to the game. It's really spice it up. Absolutely. So that's all my news that I've been able to to find out for, for this episode. Marcus, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, just globally, while we're in Australia, I'll stick to Australia. Really nice to see that the LFL Australia brand has actually released its official national partner for its merchandise with Beastware. So all team apparel, it's looking amazing. Go on to uh, LFL 360 you can see some of the the deal itself and some of the designs and it's having a really nice new outfit ready for this upcoming season looks absolutely amazing and they're moving all the way over to the other side of the world looking forward towards possibility of the, getting that LFL Europa up and running we we announced I think it was the last show didn't we we announced that the UK and Ireland have got their main broadcast deal up and running and it seems that France now have got on that as well with, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but um, they've got a great uh, national broadcaster working on a deal as well. So that means when LFO Europa gets up and running, it's going to be able to be, it'd be seen by more people. It can get more attention in there. Ultimately, hopefully then that just creates a better fan base for it to, to start the ground running. Exactly. And 
on that front, on the, the rumour mill front, we'll wait to get more official details, but it looks as though they will be getting quite a few of the big-name players to be doing a kind of European tour in preparation, ready for the LFL Europa season. So as and when more details are available on that and who it might be, where they're going to be, etc., we will obviously bring that to you as soon as we know it. This is Tony from Delicious in Hemel. If you like a bit of banter with your sandwiches, then come on down to us. We do baguettes, ciabattas, paninis. We can even discuss the LFL with you. So why don't you come and give us a try? And if you want some more details of our menu, see the links on the Legends Lounge page. Now we move on to our game recap. There's been a few games since the last time we brought a full episode to you. One of the games we covered briefly a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing it with Heather Fur herself. So let's briefly touch on the Seattle versus Chicago game. The 34-all, the tie, the disappointment. Anything else you want to add to that one, Marcus? Well, I, I know <laughs> I know a lot of a lot of people are looking at it as a sort of like... Uh, as a sort of disappointment or it, it didn't quite live up. But really, if you think about it, the tie really worked itself out to be, it was, it was enthralling. I was on the edge of my seat. I couldn't stop uh, watching it. It was amazing. Watch, had to watch it again. It really put onto that, that sort of energy that's been sort of building and building and building. And then we actually had this just unleashed um, in this game. Yeah, true. I mean, I don't think I've got anything else to add, to be honest with you, because I think Seattle had more than enough chances to, to win it. And I, I think Chicago were, were lucky to get away with a draw on that one. So we'll move on then to the Baltimore versus Toledo match. The final score in that one, 54-27. Ouch, Kabibbles, to Baltimore. Marcus? The scoreline itself, I feel, actually doesn't truly reflect all that happened on the pitch, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like You take, have to take the first play from scrimmage for Toledo. Again, they have a rookie quarterback in Erica Hoffman. Her first pass in the LFL went 35 yards, touchdown to Tamar Fennell. It seems to actually be that um, that with Toledo, they really sort of worked things off that made this like rookie system really accessible to Hoffman there was a she's got clearly she's got a great arm and they had a lot of check downs and a lot of sort of easy read passes for her to go um it seemed really the only thing that she hasn't quite got onto yet with this game is that um and of course Baltimore knew it was that she couldn't quite read the blitzes and the pocket presence but you have to feel that for her first game that will come all that extra stuff, you know, understanding how that works. But you have to feel that as a sort of foundation, she's definitely got it there. She's got the poise. She's got the uh, the arm. But um, and she's, she's dinky as well, you know. I mean, when you look at her size, you know, she's she's quite small again. She's sort of not much not much bigger than uh, uh, Jacksonville. Remind my name. Oh, K.K. Matheny. K.K. Matheny, you know. How can you forget Again. the quarterback you normally bash? <laughs> oh, that's low blow. Low blow, um, you do. You normally Matheny bash on this program, so how could you forget her? That's just like the ultimate smiting. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, none of it. That's actually just my poor memory. Um, but she she has reminded me of that sort of presence on the field. You know, you wouldn't instinctively sit there and go, well, she's going to be the leader of my team, but ultimately she stepped up as a rookie and I, I, I felt that worked really well in her favour. I know what you mean, because 
when you compare it to say uh, Cindy Cummings for example her physique is nowhere near that of Cindy's because you can see Cindy is stockily built she's got the gun arm you know she can move on her feet it'll be very difficult to tackle whereas Erica Hoffman is a, a lot more slender shall we say yeah it was nice to see that clearly the offense has been designed around her to get uh, get into it and actually be able to operate it. I mean, still, of course, Fennell was just she, she's the main she's the main runner there. I mean, she's the main offense is just clearly put around that. You saw that with the pass to her. She's not running out the backfield. She's catching the deep ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just want to move on now, actually, to the. Toledo defense or lack of again with my comparisons but it was very much like watching Brazil trying to defend against Germany that's the comparison I'd make to all the uh, the fans out there that may be new to the LFL I think that's how bad for me the Toledo defending was but credit where credit's due Ali Dickey had a great game had two touchdowns and the next person I'll mention Heather Hudson wow oh, what, a, what a game what a game she had on an individual level Three touchdowns, one sack that was a forced fumble and led to a touchdown. I don't think there was anything much more she could have done except maybe throw a touchdown to herself in this game. Oh, no. I mean, we all came in thinking Mester, but wow, does she know how to steal a show? Yeah, quick, um, great cuts. Oh, the, the ankle breakers that she was putting on the field was crazy. Yeah, and there was also some controversial decisions, I think, in this game. I want to start with... The Erica Hoffman, the second fumble in the end zone that got called as a safety. But when you watch the replay, the ball comes flying out before she's even hit the ground. And the Baltimore coach didn't even challenge it. You, you clearly see it comes out. And of course, then it's clearly recovered by Baltimore. So forget safety. You should add a tack on an extra, uh, extra five points there. But it does seem to be that your players are going to know best how it's going to come out. So... Whether the coach is taking on that influence or just ignoring it, someone should have sat there, you know, screamed at him, gone, Coach, that is a touchdown. Um, but I have to actually, now actually you've put on, you know, coaches and stuff like that, clock management um, by both teams and sort of coaches influencing that was just appalling by both as well. Oh, yeah, it was abysmal that the amount of times that either the play clock would run out or it came to the end of the quarter without them getting a playoff was just ridiculous. You've got the Hoffman as, as the rookie quarterback, but Morgan, you know, she's she's played quarterback. She's, she's developing into that. But really, I'm surprised that she's still running over to get the call. I mean, where's the field signals? Where's the, the easy reads, the no huddles, you know, you had them relatively no defense, so why not take advantage of that? They just kept stopping, letting them catch their breath. Where's the game plan here? Or are you just making up play by play? Yeah, I agree with you there. I think they do need to start having a lot more hand signals. And you look at the better teams in the league and you, you do see that there's a, a lot more fluid communication between the quarterback and the coaches on the sideline. They're not having to run over every play. It's every every few plays or after something big's happened and um, but in general a lot of it is hand signals for both offense and defense so just want to quickly come on because we need to push on to other things the wow clip from this particular game week which i will also add to the show notes because i can't remember i apologize what week it was officially it may have been uh, week nine possibly the morgan spencer and tamar Fennell clash right on the goal line which to me Morgan Spencer is in all day 
every day but I wanted to get you'll say this was when she was going for a two point conversion has run a bootleg to the outside her and Fresnel have met basically on the goal line but they didn't call it a good conversion so why might they have not done that I don't know I, I, I honestly cannot fathom this one at all it's um, as as if you watch the go go on to the, the wild club and you'll see Morgan screaming it's like I had two feet in I've broken the plane what why have you not awarded the the conversion and um yeah everyone even the coaches this time getting really heated about it but again i just didn't see there to be any reason not to a great hit won't take away the fact that it was a great hit um it was the nonsensical points about this game really were the refereeing and the clock management were the two most infuriating points of this game. Apart from that, there were some great, great uh, individual plays, as we've mentioned, and um, ultimately the better team won, really. Let's, let's be honest, the better team won. We'll move on now, away from the Eastern Conference, back to the Western and Chicago versus Las Vegas. This was an incredible game. Watched it last night because it came available on Saturday. I was in the floor from beginning to end, and I thought Vegas put up a great show. And there's something in the Chicago water right now. They just don't seem to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, Halle Jiskra had a bad game, a few bad snaps. Uh, like there's one that got fumbled and I think recovered, but one went straight between Heather Fur's legs. Not quite sure what's happening there. It was nicely summed up by um, Ali Alberts um, when she got. Um on the field interview ah uh, uh, yes yeah there's other one just at half time wasn't it or was it the one where she basically says it's not good enough ah uh, the one at the end of the game yes yes and she basically goes got the win it's not good enough this is not this is not bliss football this is not good enough and basically just put it down to you've won the game and none of them were happy that they won the game because they did not win it good enough absolutely and Ali Alberts herself did have two scores um, but there was a lack from Christelle Ferrari Harris didn't really get to see much of her at all in that game on the flip side to that a lot of that was down to how well Las Vegas were playing I mean you look at the young Marky Henderson and how well she played oh wow yeah she's amazing I I know it's uh, it's annoying I didn't write it down actually but they've given her a, a little nickname down there in in Las Vegas but for me she is just a firecracker she is amazing to watch such such guts such attitude uh, you know, she runs so so low to the ground. You know, she makes herself hard to tackle, and she, she hits with purpose. And it's 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 real fire and intensity. And I loved watching every time she got the ball. Absolutely, and there was nothing more prolific to describe that than again something we're gonna put in the show notes, and that is her wow clip from week ten when she just bulldozed over. Uh, Dominique Collins on her way to scoring a touchdown. Yeah, and for me, she's really the the emphasis around around the offense is getting her, giving her the carry she needs to actually really put the numbers on the game and, and sort of take some of the strain off uh, Cindy Cummins, who's just again still on fire. She just can't do anything wrong, lighting up this this rookie season of hers, and with um, seemingly a new favorite target. Yes, yes, so Cindy Cummings having Henderson as the new target, you mean? No, actually, I was saying in this game, it seemed while Henderson was, was actually like 
taking some of the pressure off her in the backfield. I'm thinking Kia Ramos. Ah, yeah, tight end. Yeah, Kia Ramos had a great game as well, didn't she? Really asserted herself on that offense. And a uh, nice little stat tidbit here is that you have both, you've got Cindy, Markey, and Kia. Okay, Cindy and Markey are 19. Kia's 20. There is a lot of youth on that um, that Vegas offense, and that that could, that could spell a good good sort of term if these these three can stay healthy and they start adding more to it. That's that's a nice little bit of shelf life you've got there for a potential setting a, out a franchise for future years. I'm thinking absolutely, and it's and it's as long as they can fill that gap that we mentioned. Earlier, it's going to be left on defense because you have to admit. I think Vegas had Chicago rattled right up until that point when Danica Brace got injured and then you heard her shout across to the sideline saying she's got no lateral movement and then the first thing you saw after that was Chicago running reverses and counterplays and everything to try and get Danica Brace to have to move across the field. Yes, I mean, I, I did notice that, that the reverse, once Danica Brace, I must admit, the momentum just changed. I must admit, the uh, the Las Vegas sin did miss so many opportunities to take the momentum when they had it. And then, of course, once you saw Brace sort of take that injury, it seemed and then they'd lost, the, the door had slammed shut on them to take that advantage. And But for me, with the reverse, you can't always put it on the brace. Uh, for me, quintessentially, where is the contain on the corner? And I think, really, someone who didn't step up in this game is Kelly Campbell just completely got locked out of this game, um, left on an island just to pretty much do nothing for me. Yeah, it's a real shame because normally you get 110% out of Kelly Campbell and I've rarely seen her have a bad game. It's just unfortunate that what was their biggest game of the season that she she did tend to get caught up on the counters and the reverses and be heading in the, the wrong direction and then have to kind of backtrack to try and make a tackle, which unfortunately I don't remember her making... A tackle except on one where the rusher went out of bounds anyway um, and kind of she made the tackle at the end of it because she wasn't sure but if she hadn't gone out of bounds she probably would have gone in anyway yeah but I don't want to dwell too long on the sort of negatives one yeah, they, thing we actually sorry Marcus no that's all right um what I was going to say is um using the brace injury as a sort of tie-in looking at injuries as we saw earlier with Shari out the game um who would step in for her and inevitably, that came down to Perez to fill her shoes. And because I want to look at positive, I want to actually see she had a great game filling in for a really great player. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. I mean, she took two tackles, two assists and uh, a sack. And she really, I mean, to take in the, the linebacker form, she worked really well with Rice and Taylor. They were harassing Cummins throughout the game. But it, it sort of... You know, like I said, once once that uh, momentum swung, they just, you know, the defense started just to maintain that side. And you just saw it slowly slip away. It wasn't, uh, say, like the Toledo game where we saw the collapse and, and there wasn't no way of coming really back from it. This was a slow slip throughout the game as, as the door just eased shut on them, unfortunately. Yeah, agreed. And that, just quickly come back to that Perez sack, it happened in a key moment as well, didn't it? I think it was either third or fourth down when Vegas were getting backed up towards their own end zone and then she just came up big, the same with um, Yashi Rice as well. Yeah, and um, being geeky and looking at the stats right now, Perez actually leads the, leads the lead 
in total sacks with uh, two and a half. So, so he leads the league in total sacks, did you say? Yes, yes. Not leagues the lead. She leads the lead. Because <laughs> Roses supposes his toeses are Roses. You just said it again. <laughs> I know, I know. I will, I will one day master this little thing called the English language. Not today, not, maybe not tomorrow, but one day. It will be mine. It will be mine. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, we'll leave that game then for now because we do just have um, another game to plod onto. And that is the game from Friday night. I've got a games in the the kind of wrong order, I think, possibly. Um, but Atlanta versus Toledo. So we mm. know that uh, Dakota Hughes was going to be out for that game. So here is what uh, Jody Nettles had to say before the game as she was stepping in at quarterback courtesy of the Legends Football League official Facebook page. The Atlanta Steam's mindset uh, change in QBs after Dakota's injury is the same as any other game. We know it's a must win. Uh, you know, playing a limited schedule in the LFL, every game is a must win if you want to make the playoffs. And so we're treating this game just like any other game. Uh, me coming in, luckily, you know, I'm an offensive starter anyway, so I, I get the the gist of it and uh you know everybody on the team knows what i'm capable of and everybody knows that they need to step up uh, and play their position and play their role uh 110 um you know don't take any plays off and give it our all and you know i know that everybody will rally around me and i'm determined to win and, and do whatever it takes to uh beat the uh, toledo crush and before we come on to that game i just want to play a little clip also from the facebook page and that is coach Dane Robinson's thoughts again before the Atlanta Toledo game. I have all the confidence in the world that Jody will lead this offense with the same composure and tenacity as Dakota and we're going to get this win tonight. Now, you see, that's what he thought before the game. But if you haven't had the chance to see it yet, Marcus, have you seen the wow clip yet for week 11? Oh, I most certainly have. For all of our listeners out there, apologies for the bad language. But here is the audio from the week 11 wow clip featuring Dame Robinson after Jody Nettles did something he wasn't really too happy about. Don't let anyone tell you that anyone in the LFL is not passionate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, if it's just me. It's just it's not my sort of coaching style, but I can't discredit it because he's got the passion for the game. Yeah, she did kind of choose the wrong decision there. But um, yeah, watch it for yourself, guys at home. You decide. We've all got an opinion. Is it right? Is it wrong? And the only thing I can see wrong with it is the... Well, there's a couple of things wrong with it, obviously, because, as you say, some players don't necessarily react to that kind of coaching style, but the interaction with the fan at the end of the wild clip, that's the one thing you'd have to say that kind of does need to be completely eliminated because no matter what the fans say to you, ultimately, you're there to do your job. They're there to taunt you or do whatever they want, so just kind of stay out of their way and just keep yourself to your team and what's going on on the field. Yeah. Absolutely. So coming back to the game itself, um, 
Again, we'll put that wild clip in the show notes for you. So our producer's going to love the amount of work he's got to do post-show. <laughs> <laughs> it was Exactly. He loves it anyway. Don't worry. It was a big game for Naz Johnson as well, I thought, this Atlanta-Toledo game. Yeah, it seemed it seemed most of the, most of the time, every time there was a, a tweet about a big play, she seemed to be getting uh, her name blown up, you know, bang. Another big play for her. And um, this game for me really came down to... Um, of course, we haven't been able to see it over um, here except for the live feed on uh, Satanta. Uh, those of us who are lucky have got it. I think we don't, do we? No, for UK Satanta, you have to watch it online, whereas Ireland would have been able to see it live. Or if you subscribe online, you would have been able to see it live, I guess. So, yeah, so we, we have still got to watch the full game, so analysis will come. But uh, the one thing that told for me was the fact that it was 20... 27-13 at halftime, and the game ended 40-13. That's a shout in the second half that clearly something went wrong. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I think you are, we may have to think about coming back to that one in the next show because, unfortunately, we are still awaiting the highlights to go up on the official YouTube channel, which will happen this coming weekend. Let's finish off again with another game which uh, we've just got a few bits of information on and that is the Chicago-Green Bay game that saw Chicago get into the conference championship game with their 32-7 win over the Green Bay Chill. This seemed to be very straightforward. Um, uh, Forget all the complicated stuff we said earlier, this was pretty much champions putting their statement on the league. The thing is, I want to see the highlights as well because Green Bay this year have had their ups and downs and a complete lack of defense as well at times so we'll have to wait and see in the highlights and see what happens there but also something as well that didn't seem to affect them too much was there was no Ali Alberts for the Chicago Bliss in that game ah well there you go um yeah in which case I want to watch them even more now to find out why do you make me want to watch football damn you because I can so I'm assuming that Jessica Price would have stepped up and played a, a larger role on offense really want to see that then because I thought it was great, actually, that Coach Hack went straight back and put her straight into the starting team against the Sin, even though she had all the mistakes against the Mist. I thought that's the only way you're going to let someone learn is they've got to learn from their mistakes. Don't reprimand them for it. Let them learn. Yeah, agreed. So we'll finish off there then with our game review because we'll come back to these games once we've had a chance to watch the highlights a bit more. But... I say the big win for Chicago, putting them in the conference game. So they will be facing either now Seattle, Los Angeles, or if results go their way, I think there's still an outside chance the Vegas Sin can sneak in with a win against Seattle. And I believe they may need Seattle to then beat Los Angeles. That's how it's good. they basically need. They need Seattle to beat Los Angeles by about a point, And then they need to demolish it's something like a 40 point swing or something crazy like that. Um, yeah, they pretty much got demolished Seattle. So I'm just trying to think, so we think for the moment, so LA have got a record of one, one and one, haven't they? And Las Vegas have got a record of one, two and oh. So if Vegas beats Seattle, they go two and two. Seattle are currently on uh, one, uh, zero, one, one, zero, one, aren't they? Um, yeah. So again, yeah. So if Vegas beat them, that puts them on one, one and one. And then, Oh, yeah, that's a tricky one. Maybe a, just wondering if maybe even a tie would be better for <laughs> that last game as well, so that both teams ended up with two ties and Vegas are the only one with two wins. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would work for them. I mean, the, the biggest thing is that if, if Seattle come out 
defeating temptation, uh, the fact that they're on like negative 20 points and Seattle are on plus 20, they need to beat them by about 40 points. Okay, fair enough. So it's a big ask, but it's still a possibility. So there is hope out there. And we believe here. We always believe, especially <laughs> in the underdog, because it's a very, very British thing to do. Here, here. How does an athlete reach the pinnacle of the LFL? Performance training. Focus. Yet ever active. In their community. Film study. Practice. In superb condition. Leading a healthy lifestyle. I'm an LFL athlete. Are you... The games we were just mentioning there, the games that are still to be played, we kind of got a bit ahead of ourselves. Uh, that is the Las Vegas Sim versus Seattle Mist, which takes place on July the 26th. Um, you have Seattle Mist versus LA on August the 2nd. And we can't forget that coming up this weekend on July the 18th, we have the Toledo Crush versus Omaha Heart. So they're all the games that are going to happen before we come to you next Marcus, let's get your thoughts on the Toledo Crush and Omaha Heart game coming up this weekend. As a Heart player, you're playing this as take the two losses, wipe them from the thing. Let's finish the rest of the season 2-0. Let's go out of this in a positive manner. You know, Forget what's happening around you. You want to be finishing positively. Um, for Toledo, I really think for them, it's looking about trying to find a way that you can you know, take some dignity from this season. I know they've got a tie in the record books, but it's it's really not a real tie. It's uh, more as the league happened around them. So I think they're going to want to come out of this. I mean, you're looking at how this, this matchup works. You've got Omaha Heart, no offense, great defense. Toledo Crush, great offense, no defense. I think it's, 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 it's a toss of a coin, really. If you put the two of them together, you'd have a great team. I know. Isn't that a shame how it just doesn't work like that in reality? Darn it. <laughs> Indeed. So before we finish off then this week, just want to have a, a quick look, just looking at the stat leaders in the LFL. Now, most of the games have been played barring, I think we've got five games left now, I, I believe. Um, so looking at quarterbacks and the quarterback at top of the list, having only played three games is... The rookie, Cindy Cummings, Las Vegas Sin, uh, with her 21 out of 40 passes, 257 yards, eight touchdowns, and the big stat in there, zero interceptions. Yeah, I think the zero interceptions speak, um, speaks volumes for it. As it's, it's a difficult league coming in as a rookie, especially rookie QB. And when you look and see how... She's adjusted to it so easily, like she was just born to be on the field. It seems that she's got a great future. She's 19 years old. She can really dominate this league for, for years to come. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and looking at who's next in the list, you've got Ashley Solana, who a lot of people have obviously compared her to. Um, again, because they've only played two games because of the, the game that got called off, but Solana has only actually attempted 10 passes this year completed six of them and five of them have been touchdowns it's just unreal stats isn't it really the way unfortunately we have lost that game and uh, but you have yeah you have to look at it for what we got what do we have here we have six, six passes 
Uh, six completed passes. Uh, five of them have hit pay dirt. <laughs> you know, that the ratio, it just speaks volumes for themselves. If you want to find someone to, to sort of emulate, we know that uh, Salerno's got got the whole package and now we've got someone else there's a it's a two-horse race now yeah agreed and then uh, on the defensive side you've got Dominique Collins who's coming out on top of the tackling for Chicago Bliss despite getting run over by Marquis Henderson she's still got 21 and a half tackles and an interception this season I, I have mentioned haven't I that I think Chicago has got if they haven't got the best defense they definitely have the best defensive line you've got Collins uh, as the secondary, they do tend to attack more. So hence why sometimes they do leave themselves a little vulnerable in the deep ball. But against the run, you can see it there. They're vicious. They they want to attack the ball carrier. And it shows that, you know, tackles stops drives. It wins matches in that slow grind. And they have had a few slow grinding games. Indeed. But again, we'll just sort of wrap this up now just to finish off with the couple of categories firstly rushing we have Christelle Harris at the top of the rushing list um, which we I guess we pretty much expected um, with their 332 yards but that said we also have uh, Sage Steinmetz who hasn't played in a while with her 230 yards um, still with a game to play so it'd be great to see what she ends up with at the end of the season um, receiver wise um, no surprises really to see Anna Heisman at the top of the list with nine receptions, three touchdowns. And finishing off the stats, going with the Bullhawk from Seattle, Jessica Hopkins, with three interceptions in only two games, two touchdowns, not to mention her fumble recoveries for touchdowns, having a great season and still got two games left to watch her in. So big things expected of her. Yeah, I think big things coming out of uh, Seattle really is now that it's it's the race is on it's all heating up postseason is nearly upon us and we're we're just the fireworks are getting there Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That wraps it up from LFL Talk Episode 5. But don't forget, you can download us now on iTunes. You can catch us on Stitcher Radio. And also, don't forget... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Until the next time, Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure as well. And until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by.